Now, this weekend, we celebrate the fact that uh, Jesus Christ went to the cross and he gave his life to pay the price for our sins. Uh, you know, that's an incredible moment uh, in human history. But it often raises the question, why the cross? Why is the cross so important to Christians? Uh, in Jesus' day, the cross was a place of execution. The cross was an instrument of torture in Jesus' day. In fact, the cross was designed specifically to be a humiliating way to die. Now, there are a lot more quicker, convenient, easier ways to execute a person than to nail them to a cross. Yet today, Christians wear crosses around their necks. We put them on our earrings. We put them up in our churches. We put them on the bumpers of our cars. And this weekend, we will celebrate what happened on the cross. But what is there to celebrate about the cross? Well, Jesus Christ gives us the answers to that question in a prayer that he prayed the night before he went to the cross. In John chapter 17, we have this prayer of Christ in which he talks about what was going to happen, why it was going to happen, and what it would accomplish. John chapter 17, verse 1 says this. It says, Jesus looked toward heaven and prayed. And then he prays for the entire rest of that chapter. And in that chapter, in that prayer, we see two things. First of all, Jesus' prayer shows us his heart. Uh, in this prayer, you see what is really important to him. You see why he's going to do what he's going to do. You see the heart of the cross. Second, Jesus' prayer shows us our hope. You know, in that prayer, you see things that we can hope for in this life. Because Jesus doesn't ask God for things that God won't do. I mean, sometimes you and I, we can pray and we can ask God to do things that God won't do. But Jesus is wiser than that. He doesn't do that. And everything that Jesus prayers in this prayer, you can have confidence that it is something that God is willing to do. And so in this prayer, you see our hope that Jesus Christ offers us. Now you might think, well, that was 2,000 years ago. What does this old prayer have to do with me? But in John 17, 20, Jesus says, I am praying not only for these disciples right here, but also for all who will ever believe in me because of their testimony. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, this prayer is for you. If you're a believer, if you have believed in Jesus because of the testimony of his disciples passed down through the years, then Jesus prayed this prayer for you. In fact, the Bible tells us Jesus is praying for you right now in heaven. Romans 8, 34 says, Christ died and was raised to life. And now, you ever wonder what Jesus is doing now? Now he's at God's right side speaking to him for us. Right now in heaven, Jesus Christ is talking to God the Father about us. Jesus Christ is praying for you. And when you look at the prayer that he prayed the night before he died, when you see what's really important to him, you will realize why there was a cross. Jesus Christ is praying for you. First, Jesus prays, God, give them protection. In John 17, 15, he prays, I am not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. Well, who's the evil one? Well, the evil one is Satan. 
Satan is the one who seeks to do you harm. And Jesus prays, he says, Father, don't take them out of the world, but keep them safe from Satan while they're in this world. He doesn't pray that you'd have a bubble around your lives uh, where you don't face any troubles that, that are really just part of this world. In fact, Jesus said that while you're in this world, you will have trouble. Health trouble, financial trouble, kid trouble, marriage trouble, weather trouble. You'll have trouble. And if you think being a Christian means you're not going to have any struggles, you miss the point. Because even Jesus Christ faced struggles. But Jesus prays, don't take them out of the world, but while they're in this world, keep them safe from Satan. He prays for your protection. Now, protection doesn't mean that we get a perfect life. Protection doesn't mean that you never have any problems. Protection means that God is there to strengthen and help you, even in the midst of the struggle. And when difficult circumstances come into your life, you've got a choice. You can turn away from God, or you can get bitter. You can let your heart turn cold. Jesus is praying, God, protect them from the evil one. He's praying that in the realities of life, that we will turn to God, that our hearts will warm to him, and we'll realize that he cares for us, even in the midst of trouble. You know, nothing in this world is perfect except God's love and grace. So Jesus is praying right now in heaven for God to protect you from the evil one. And he doesn't minimize the pain and hurt that you're going through. He understands pain and hurt better than anyone. He understands your pain and hurt. And he's praying in the midst of it that God will help you find strength in him. Strength that maybe you've never experienced before. Jesus is praying for our protection. Second thing that Jesus is praying for, he prays, God, give them unity. John 17, 21, my prayer for all of them is that they will be of one heart and mind, just as you and I are, Father. Jesus says the kind of relationship that he has with the Father, that's the kind of relationship, that's the kind of unity that he wants his followers to have. Now, that's pretty amazing. I mean, you've got to admit that the Trinity is a pretty tight-knit, small group. Okay? You know, Jesus prays, give them that kind of unity. And I'll be honest, when I hear that, I think, you know, I can't do that. I, how can I be unified with other believers like Jesus is unified with the Father? And you may be thinking the same thing. And, and, and if we're thinking the same thing, we're thinking exactly what Jesus wants us to think. Because we're realizing, I can't do this on my own. You know, I do not have the strength to love another person the way God can love that person through me. If we're going to love in this kind of way, if we're going to have this kind of unity, the only way is to lean on the strength and love of Jesus Christ. Because only God can work that kind of love for one another. And as we let God pour out his love through us to other believers, look at the impact it has on the world around us. In John 13, 35, Jesus says, This is how everyone will recognize that you are my disciples when they see the love that you have for each other. Jesus said that how you and I love one another, that's how the world will recognize that we belong to Jesus Christ. But the problem with loving people is they're people. You know, they're irritating. They're hard to get along with. You know, they wear you out. 
How do you find the strength to love them like God loves Jesus? Or Romans 15, 5. May the God who gives endurance and encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ Jesus. You know, if you're going to love people, it's going to take endurance and encouragement. And thankfully, God says that he gives us that endurance, that encouragement. You know, you, you cannot endure without some encouragement. You, you cannot endure all alone. But when you realize how much God loves you, it gives you the encouragement to love other people. Notice the, the phrase, that verse goes on, that says, as we follow Christ when we follow Christ together, if we all work together to get closer to Jesus Christ, the closer we get to Christ, the closer we get to each other. That's where the unity comes from, is following Christ together. Third thing that Jesus prays for. Jesus prays, give them joy. Give them joy. John 17, 13, I'm coming to you now, but I pray these things while I'm still in the world so that these followers can have all of my joy in them. Now, I don't know that we typically think of Jesus as a joyful person. You know, we've got a picture of, of Jesus smiling out here in the lobby, and I get comments often from people, especially first-time visitors. And, you know, they're just impressed. I've, I've never seen Jesus smiling before. You know, I think a lot of that has to do with these movies and TV shows where Jesus kind of wanders around through life like a zombie, and uh, he doesn't look particularly happy. In fact, he just looks weird. Uh, but that's not what Jesus was like. Jesus was incredibly joyful in his life. Where Jesus was, people wanted to be. If Jesus was in the crowd, the crowd got bigger. If Jesus was in the house, it overflowed with people. You know, people flocked to be with Jesus Christ because where Jesus was, joy was. You know the difference between joy and happiness? It's crucial to understand that because in this world we have to know the difference. Happiness only lasts for a moment. Happiness is based on happenings. It's based on circumstances. And we can chase after happiness all our lives, but we can't hold on to it. But joy, joy will last forever. And Jesus certainly knew the difference between joy and happiness. He teaches us that difference in John 16. He says, you will grieve but your grief will turn to joy. And then he gives us this word picture of that process. He says, A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child has been born into this world. You know, this picture of, of the travail of labor. I mean, I have no personal experience with that. Okay? <laughs> I mean, I, I, I was in the delivery room for the birth of, of all three of our kids, and, and I'd have to say that it looked like it really, really, really hurt. Okay? But the moment that baby is born, that pain turns to joy. I mean, when that baby is born, the first thing the mom says to the baby isn't, why did you do that to me? Okay? During labor, my wife said that to me a couple of times, but... Once the baby is born, the mom says, oh, my baby, and experiences immediate joy. The pain is turned to joy. And Jesus says that's just the way it works. 
We don't live in a world where there's no grief, no pain, no problems. But Jesus says, I can take that grief and I can turn it into joy. And that's what Jesus was going to do for the disciples. They were going to see Jesus Christ die on the cross. But a few days later, they were going to see a resurrection. And their grief was turned to joy. Jesus, right now in heaven, is praying for your grief to turn to joy. And whatever you're facing, that grief that you're going through in life right now, he's praying that that grief will turn to joy. Fourth thing Jesus prays for. Jesus prays, God, give them purity. Give them purity in this impure world that we live in. I am glad that Jesus Christ is praying for our purity. Uh, you ever wonder how to keep pure in, in this impure world? I mean, you wake up in the morning and you think, okay, this is the day that I'm going to stay pure. This is the day I'm going to keep my mind on pure things. This is the day that I'm keeping my mind on the pure channel. Okay? I'm, just, I'm watching the pure channel all day today. And then about five minutes into the day, you think, who is holding this remote because the channel keeps changing? I can't keep my mind on pure things. I keep winding up on the smutty, ugly channels. You walk into the office and you see the guy who cheated you on a business deal and bang, you're on the angry channel. Somebody walks by in a sexy outfit and boom, you're on the lust channel. You see somebody who has hurt you and you're on the bitterness channel. Or somebody brings in a big basket of Cadbury eggs and peeps and now you're on the gluttony channel. Okay? I mean, that can happen so quickly. How do you keep your mind focused on pure things in an impure world? John 17, 7, Jesus prays. He says, make them pure and holy by teaching them your words of truth. The answer is in God's word. The answer is keeping our minds focused on the right things. None of us is going to be perfect in this imperfect world. But Jesus wouldn't have prayed this if our minds couldn't focus more and more on the right things. And the Bible is the answer in doing that. Applying God's word to our life is how you stay pure in an impure world because purity comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Opening your eyes to the things of God focuses your heart in a different direction. Titus 1.15 talks about this. It says, a person who is pure in heart sees goodness and purity in everything. But a person whose own heart is evil and untrusting finds evil in everything. For his dirty mind and rebellious heart color all he sees and hears. The Bible clearly teaches I can't blame the world for my impure thoughts. It doesn't come from the outside. I can't say, oh, it's just the day we live in, or it's those movies, or it's TV. It comes from my mind and my heart. It's my choice. And it comes from the inside out, not the outside in. Jesus Christ is praying for us to have pure hearts in an impure world. And number five, Jesus prays, God, give them a mission. John 17, 18, in the same way that you gave me a mission in the world, I give them a mission in this world. That's what he wants in every one of our lives. He tells us just a few verses later exactly what the result of this mission will be. John 17, 23, then the world will know that you've sent me. And that you love them just as much as you love me. God wants us to let the world know that God sent Jesus Christ and that God loves them. 
Six times in this prayer, Jesus prays, I want the world to know that I was sent by God. I mean, why is that so important to Jesus? Well, why does he pray this so often? Because he knows us. He knows how easy it is for us to go through our whole lives ignoring the fact that Jesus was sent into this world by God. That Jesus Christ came into this world in human flesh. He lived a perfect life as an example for us. He died on the cross to pay for our sins and he was resurrected and he did it all for us. But Jesus knows that we could go through 60, 70, 80, 90 years of life ignoring that fact. But Jesus also knows that if he can get us to stop just for a second, just long enough to realize that God sent Christ into the world. He knows that if he can get us to stop and see the truth, that God loves me. And that God is not in heaven ignoring me. God is not angry at me. God loves me. It'll change everything. Jesus wants the world to know that. How do you know that God loves you? Well, you look at the cross of Jesus Christ. You think of the humility it took for God himself to come to this earth and die on a cross for our sin. God, who shoulders the weight of the universe, was willing to come to this earth and put a cross on his shoulder and stumble beneath the weight. God, who holds the stars in his hand, was willing to come to this earth and sweat drops of blood and face the reality of the cross. Matthew 27 tells us what Jesus went through before he went to the cross, the, the ridicule that came to him at the hands of his captors. It says, Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorian and gathered the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him, and they twisted together a crown of thorns, and they set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand, and they knelt in front of him, and they mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. They spit on him. They took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his clothes on him, and then they led him away to crucify him. And why did Jesus let that happen? He's the Son of God. He's the Son of God in human flesh. He could have stopped that at any moment. Why did he let it happen? Because he loves you. More than any of us will ever imagine, he loves you. And every person you meet, every face that you look into, he loves them just as much. And that's why a cross. Because God wanted to proclaim in a way that none of us could miss, I love you, I care about you, I know what you're going through. This weekend we celebrate Easter. I got two questions for you as we get ready for that celebration. One is, is are you ready to celebrate? Yes. Have you accepted Christ's work on the cross on your behalf? You know, how, how do you do that? Just by praying. You know, Jesus prayed for you. Now it's your turn to pray for him. And just tell him, Jesus, I understand. Thank you that you died on the cross for me. Thank you for your tremendous act of love. Thank you for paying the penalty for my sin so I could be forgiven. That's why he went to the cross, because of his love for you. And if you haven't accepted that gift yet, in just a moment, I want to give you the opportunity to do that in prayer. Now, if you've already accepted the gift of Christ's love, here's a second question. Who are you sharing the gift with? 
Who are you telling the good news that God loves them? You know, Jesus did not pray that people would figure this out on their own. You know, Jesus prayed for you. He said, God, give them a mission. And all those who already believe in me, Lord, give them a mission. Send them out into the world so that people will know that I love them. As we go into this Easter weekend and beyond, if you've got a friend that you love, if you've got somebody in your family and you're praying, God, help them to figure it out somehow. Jesus is praying, you go tell them. You go tell them. Because human beings telling other human beings is God's plan for how the good news is going to be shared. That's how it happens. That's our mission. That's what God wants you to do in the lives of people. And there are some people that you need to share with intentionally. You know, they're on your mind right now. The the minute I started talking about sharing the gospel, they came to your mind. I want to encourage you to invite them. Invite them to our Easter service or invite them to our next sermon series. I mean, you know, don't wait for something to happen. Make it happen. You know, get on the phone on the way home and say, you know, I was thinking about you in church tonight. And then invite them to come with you this weekend. Do it intentionally. There's others you need to share with spontaneously. You know, you may not have a mind, a name in mind right now, but over the next few days, uh, it's going to pop into your mind, and, and you're just driving along, or you're at work, and that person pops into your mind. I'd encourage you, just spontaneously talk to that person. Make the invite. Reach out to them. Talk to them about Jesus Christ. We need to do it intentionally. We need to do it spontaneously. And then there's some people you need to share with accidentally. People that you just run into, not literally, but you just run into people. You know, whenever you encounter them, you accidentally share Christ with them. You invite them to church. You tell them about the good news of Christ. Folks, our Easter services are going to be great. And they just really are. You know, I I say that with all humility. I mean, the music is going to be awesome. The Easter message is always a powerful message. And you're going to come to those services, and you're going to wish you'd brought someone with you. Sermon series we start the week after Easter, uh, that's going to be a great series. I've been looking forward to this one all year. It's called You Make Me Crazy. (laughs) It's about the crazy makers in your life. And you're going to love this series. In fact, you need this series. (laughs) And so do the people who know you. And so... You know, so who do you need to invite this weekend or next week or sometime to hear the incredible good news of Christ? Jesus Christ is praying. Jesus Christ is praying that you would fulfill your mission. Why? Because Jesus prayed, he said, Father, I want these people that you gave me to be with me where I am. The people who believe in me, I want them to be with me. Who do you know that needs to know that? Who needs to know that Jesus Christ loves them that much? John 17, 3, Jesus says, And this is the way to have eternal life. To know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one that you have sent to earth. This is the only way to have eternal life. Some of you don't know him yet. You know about Jesus, but you don't know him yet. And so as we close, I just want to lead you in a prayer where you can say, Jesus Christ, I want to know you personally. 
That's how you make that connection with Christ. Others of you, you know Christ. You've known him maybe for years. And I want to lead you in a prayer where you say, Jesus Christ, help me to think of someone that I can help to hear this good news. Let's pray together. If you need to accept God's gift of eternal life through Christ, just pray this prayer with me. You don't have to pray it out loud, just in the quietness of your own heart. God will hear your prayer. Just pray, Jesus, thank you for loving me. I want to know you, not just know about you. I ask you to forgive me for the wrong things I've done. I thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I ask you to help me to to have a relationship with you and to show me how to live the life that you created for me. If you're here tonight and you you need to get ready for Easter by telling someone the good news, then I invite you just to pray. Say, God, help me to see people the way you see them. People that you love, people that you care about, people that you sent your son to die for and be resurrected for. God, open my eyes to the opportunity to say to somebody, why don't you come to church with me on Easter? Why don't you come to church with me next week? God, open my eyes to the opportunities around me to fulfill the mission that you have given me. We pray these things together in Jesus' name. Amen.